Support for the Happy Market Research Podcast comes from SurveyMonkey. Today, almost everyone has taken surveys, but did you know that SurveyMonkey offers complete solutions for professional market researchers? In addition to flexible surveys, their global audience panel, and research services, SurveyMonkey just launched a fast and easy way to collect market research feedback with seven new expert solutions for concept and creative testing. With built-in customizable methodology, AI-powered insights, and industry benchmarking, you can get feedback on your idea from your target market in a presentation-ready format. Oh, and by the way, in as little as an hour. For more information on SurveyMonkey's market research solutions, please visit surveymonkey.com slash market research. That's surveymonkey.com slash market research. Support for the Happy Market Research Podcast comes from FuelCycle. This episode is brought to you by FuelCycle Ignition. Ignition is the agile insights platform that enables leaders and their teams to improve product, brand, customer, and employee experiences with no insights experience required. With FC Live virtual focus groups and interviews, an ad effectiveness solution, and survey automation capabilities, FuelCycle Ignition offers the only all-in-one Agile Insights ecosystem for supercharging the relationship between brands and their customers, and serves the world's most innovative brands, including Google, Hulu, Tufts Health Plan, Kahart, and more. To learn how Ignition can take your research to the next level, visit FuelCycle.com. As in past Capstone episodes, I'm joined today by our executive producer, Chu Yi Yang. Chu Yi, how are you? Yeah, like many others, I've just been staying at home. I've been playing a lot of Animal Crossing lately, which I don't know if it's good or bad. So on Sundays, you can buy turnips, and then throughout the week, you can sell it for a profit. And so that's what I've been doing, but I accidentally ate my turnips the other day, and I, like, hated myself for it. But I don't know, I kind of thought it was funny, too. (laughs) Okay, so, and just for clarity... That is a game that's available on Switch. In preparation for this episode, we interviewed six consumer insight professionals and executives from market research, user experience research, and consumer experience. Our guests represent various segments of our population, including Black, Latino, Asian, American Indian, and white. We talk to men. We talk to women. The whole point of this episode is to uncover the role diversity plays in the research we do every day. What we found was shocking. As a white guy, I didn't think that I was tainted by racism or prejudice. I was blown away by my own embedded prejudices that I simply was not aware of. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. I love all people. In fact, at my current company, UX, of the four founders, I'm the only white guy. But what I uncovered was that I have been unknowingly conditioned to have prejudice. It exists everywhere. Now, we're going to unpack this more in the long-form interviews. I'm bringing it up now because I hope that you'll be willing to challenge yourself as you listen to this episode and all the episodes in this series and double and triple check your own biases. Not surprisingly... We discovered that having diversity in the actual composition of the research team has some major benefits. One, we get to create better research instruments like surveys and discussion guides. 
Two, we get to uncover hidden truths in the data. And three, we get to create context for population's point of views. But even more than these things, diversity builds empathy and connection. We are living in a state of uncertainty and fear. Many of us are afraid to even have a discussion about it because we do not have the words and we may be perceived as racist. With the backdrop of George Floyd, right now, companies want to know how they can connect and talk to their consumers. Heck, I mean, we want to know how we can talk to and connect with each other. And if we're honest, a lot of us don't know how to do that. This episode is the capstone of the interviews we did with Aaron Burchell, CEO of MeThinks, Iris Yim, Principal and Chief Strategist at Sparkle Insights, Maya Kantak, Consumer Insights Manager at Disney Parks, Experiences and Products, Mario Caroso, Co-Founder of Think Now, Orion Brown, Founder of the Black Travel Box and Brand Management Consultant, and lastly, Pepper Miller, President of the Hunter Miller Group. My hope is that this series on diversity in consumer insights is both educational and actionable. As we progress through the series, please take the time to ask yourself this question. How can we build a more diverse and inclusive team at the company I work at right now? Orion is the founder of the Black Travel Box and a brand management consultant. The Black Travel Box is a line of personal care products for travelers of color that makes travel easier. Prior to starting the Black Travel Box, Orion has served as a senior brand manager at Kraft Foods, Backflip Studios, and Oracle. I first met Orion on a call with other entrepreneurs in Y Combinator's startup school. Later, we interviewed Orion on this topic. You'll have access to the full episode in a few weeks. What stood out to me was how different her upbringing was than mine. Here is Orion talking about where she got her entrepreneur spirit. Oh, definitely my mom. Definitely my mom. She's she's tenacious, almost to a fault, I will say. Um, she's I, I've never seen her look at a situation and go, I don't really know what to do. So I'm just going to sit here and wait. She's just not that person. And so... Whether it be small things or big things, I mean, you know, uh, growing up in a single parent household primarily and not having a lot of money, not having a lot of resources, I mean, she would look at an outfit and then go learn how to make it. Um, so we spent a lot of time in Joanne fabrics and, and looking at patterns. And she made my clothes until I was about probably four or five. So, you know, there was never a want for, for being a fashionable child and there was never a want for her to be fashionable. Um, and so she, so she saw places where we didn't really have enough to do it, to get the things that we wanted. And she found ways around that. She found ways to, to create what she wanted, create the life that she wanted. Our parents, race, gender, income, education, etc. all play a huge role in how we relate to the world. My ethnicity is Hmong and both of my parents are from Laos. In their teenage years, like many others, my parents immigrated to the U.S. and both went through different challenges, such as language barriers, leaving family behind, and having to create a new life. But it was all of those lessons they've learned along the way that they've embedded in me. Something similar to Orion, 
It is interesting how Orion's mother's ability to see what she wanted to make and then make it empowered Orion to start her own consumer packaged goods company. I started Black Travel Box. It started out as a, as a passion project a couple years ago. Um, I was still working in corporate. And after 15 years in corporate, you know, I've, I had learned the, uh, the routine of get my vacation days, go somewhere lovely, decompress from all of the work days, <laughs> lather, rinse, repeat, no pun intended. And so, you know, that's something that I had done over the years, you know, pretty religiously. That was one of the big benefits of the, the type of job that I had. Um, you know, that's where my money kind of went. Um, that and food, but that's a whole other conversation. Love food. And so on these travels, I noticed that I sort of noticed that I would have the same issue of as a woman of color going to places and it's not even necessarily far flung places, although Japan is definitely, you know, the place that I was like, Oh no, I definitely can't do this. But you know, it's the same if I go to like the middle of Ohio. Going to a, a place and realizing that I don't have enough product with me, the little one to two ounce bottles that come, you know, in travel bags are just not enough. And oftentimes they're not the things that I really use. And so it just becomes a hassle. Like it's very easy for me to dump all my stuff from my closet into a bag and go. But the personal care aspect of it and feeling and looking the way that I want to when I'm out of my home was really a challenge. And so I just kind of thought, this should exist in the world. There's no reason that, you know, just because I have textured hair or, you know, slightly darker skin, I shouldn't be able to have products that work for me and work well for me. And so that was sort of the impetus. And again, it becomes that thing where it's you see a need and you can either look at it and go, oh, well, that really sucks. Let me just complain about it or do something. And so that's what I did. I started it as a passion project just to see if I could do something and see if I was the only person having this issue um, and I learned very quickly that I'm not and <laughs> and the world really does need uh, a brand like this. So it's so funny like seeing how that ties back to your mom making clothes. You know what I honestly never thought of it until you asked me <laughs> <laughs> but it does it does it's what you're exposed to it it informs so much at a subconscious level and that's why it's really important to be aware of what you expose yourself to, what you expose your kids to, both on the positive and the negative side of it, because it, it sticks with you. We asked each guest what role diversity should play in the composition of the actual research team. In other words, should I, as a buyer, care about the diversity of the team when the research instruments are being designed? Should I care about the diversity when the analytics plan is being created? How about when the actual analytics are being done or the presentation is being formed or the implications to my business are being created? In other words, what role does diversity play in the actual research team composition? A few interesting things came up. These next snippets are from Maya, Mario, and Iris. It's going to be that much more important. You know, without question, the U.S. is very diverse. I actually had the privilege of doing some research in the U.S. and internationally in Japan. And it's so interesting to see the difference in results, not just because it's different populations, but you'll see that in Japan, there's this very homogenous kind of thinking that response will be 80% said this or 90% said this. Whereas in the U.S., we frequently see that 20%, 30%, 40%, and it's kind of 
across the board answers. And, you know, not just that the U.S. is diverse with a lot of diverse people, different people with different opinions, but, you know, about what's going on now and about how that's going to look particularly in that post-pandemic landscape. There's certain groups that are being disproportionately affected by this novel coronavirus, which is going to have a huge and potentially lasting impact on their consumer confidence, their priorities, like you mentioned, ethnicity, social economic status, but also disabled people, pregnant people, elderly people, and not just at the individual level, but at the statewide level too, New York, for example. Completely different perspective and different disproportionately affected by this pandemic. This is from the most recent census for population that's under five years old, so five and under. It's the first generation that's going to be majority minority. Whites comprise 49% and non-whites are going to be 51%. So from that perspective, the sample who you're talking to, I mean, I think diversity is is everything, right? And um, from thinking now, I mean, that's really in our name. You know, we, we, the way that we came up with the name, it's like, don't, don't think about the future. This is something that's happening now. Think now, you know, we, you got to incorporate diversity into your sample to not only future proof yourself and your brand, but also talk to what's happening now. Um, and then on the other side of that is the diversity of the team. When you're putting together questionnaires, you know, talking about broken links and broken links. From a creative perspective, having somebody with that diverse perspective on your team is so important when you're putting together a questionnaire. Because things like colloquialisms, right, that we use or talking about here on the podcast, that might be second nature to us. Putting that in a questionnaire, you never know what the cultural implications are. And you might be skewing your data on the front end when you're developing that questionnaire um, or moderating a focus group. Um, so I think diversity in a team is, is equally as important. Okay, so I think that, you know, in general, it's a good practice to have a diverse team because, you know, team members you know, with different upbringing, different cultural backgrounds, they can bring different perspectives. But when it comes to market research, I think ideally, if you could, you know, have somebody, you know, who has the same cultural background, you know, um, similar to the research target audience, that would be ideal. But obviously, you know, companies would, well, no research companies would have, I guess, researchers of all types of cultural backgrounds on staff. And in that case, it's not uncommon, you know, for consultancies and research companies to bring in consultants, you know, on a project basis to help them out, which is fine. I think the key is that to remember to um, have somebody who is familiar with the culture, you know, to provide insight, to uh, review research documents and to help you, you know, fill in the gaps, you know, interpret the, um, the differences you know, the, the numbers. In my research practice, you know, I frequently work with researchers, you know, of Hispanic, of African-American, you know, of different Asian culture backgrounds. You know, although I myself, I am, you know, of Asian background, but, you know, when it comes to Asian-Americans, it's a very diverse community. You know, there are a bunch of different cultures in it, you know, Chinese, Filipino, Indian, 
Vietnamese, you know. So, and I I'm frequently, you know, work with uh, researchers of uh, different, you know, uh, cultural backgrounds, and I would, you know, um, have them review the report, you know, review research documents. I ask them a, a bunch of questions, and although I myself have been, you know, in multicultural research for many years, and each time, you know, I would always get some insight from just talking to my partners that I, I always learn something new that I, I could always, you know, bring more depth, more richer insights to the report for the client. Some people like the analogy of seeing the world through a lens. We've all heard and probably used the term rose-colored glasses. Our lenses have both tint and curvature. These are applied and shaped by our upbringing and environments. They bring into focus the world and they help us relate to the world. The trouble is that we don't know that we're wearing these glasses. Our biases are being perpetually integrated into our view of the world. So we assume that we are unbiased. We're kind, we're open, we're intelligent, we might be liberal. We accept all people. We say, I want to hire a more diverse workforce, but people of color and women simply don't apply for the jobs that I'm looking to fill. And then we ask ourselves, where are they? Well, one thing's for sure, we know where they're not. They're not in market research. In the last 350 interviews I've done on the Happy Market Research podcast, I've had the privilege of asking this one question across all of them. Tell me about your parents and how they informed what you do today. Of all those interviews, I've had less than a handful that have purposefully had a path towards market research. The rest of us, we just happen to fall into it. So why aren't people of color falling into it? I believe because like attracts like. If we want diversity, we need to actively seek it out. Many of you recall Chris Rock's introduction to the 2016 Oscars, which had an obvious void of Black, Hispanic, and Asian representation. Here is a minute and a half snippet to help refresh the moment. But here's the real question. The real question everybody wants to know, everybody wants to know in the world, is this Hollywood racist? Is Hollywood racist? You know, that's, that's, a, that's a, you know, you gotta go at that the right way. Is it, is it burning cross racist? No. Is it fetch me some lemonade racist? No, 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 no. It's a, it's a different type of racist. Now, I remember one night I was at a fundraiser for President Obama. A lot of you were there. And, you know, it's me and all of Hollywood. And all the, you know, it's all of us there. And there's about four black people there. Me, uh, let's see, uh, Quincy Jones, Russell Simmons, Questlove, you know, the usual suspects, right? <laughs> you know? And, you know, and every black actor that wasn't working. Needless to say, Kev Hart was not there, okay? <laughs> so at some point, you get to take a picture with the president, you know? And as they're setting up the picture, you get like a little moment with the president. I'm like, Mr. President, you see all these writers and producers and actors? They don't hire black people. And they're the nicest white people on earth. They're liberals. Jeez. That's right. Is Hollywood racist? You're damn right Hollywood's racist. But it ain't the racist you th that you've grown accustomed to. Hollywood is 
sorority racist. It's like, we like you, Rhonda, but you're not a Kappa. <laughs> That's how Hollywood's, yeah? But things are changing. Things are changing. Yeah, we got a Black Rocky this year. Yeah, some people call it Creed. I call it Black Rocky. Variety had a fantastic post-Oscars editorial. In quotes, they said, Some may conclude that the nominations reflect institutional bias against minorities and women within the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences. But the problem is with Hollywood's major studios and agencies. There were 305 films eligible this year. If hiring reflected the U.S. population, Oscar voters would have weighed 150-plus films directed by women, 45 directed by blacks, 50 by Hispanics, and dozens of movies by directors who are Asian-American, LGBT individuals, people with disabilities, and members of other minorities. If those numbers are the same in market research, for every 1,000 professionals, 600 should be white, 200 Hispanic, 150 Black, 60 Asian, and 10 Native American. Should our industry reflect the population? If so, we've got a lot of work to do. It starts with a question. Why isn't there more diversity in market research? Pepper Miller talked about this particular issue from the perspective of a Black woman. It should be. It's a huge role, but it's not happening, Jamin. It's not happening. So the role of research is to, I think, a, a couple of things from my perspective and the type of research that we do, that we have diverse participants, people who are the audience that we're going after to learn from. We need to be doing research and getting their opinions and helping them become more involved in this research industry to understand who they are. And then we should have diverse professionals and research teams, the people who are collecting the data, the people at the focus group facilities, the people that are recruiting the, these participants and designing the instruments. And that is not happening. That's not happening, I want to say at all, but it's, it's like dribbles. It's like little specks of pepper and a big bowl of vanilla ice cream. It's that, that's kind of how it looks to me. Because our country, if we look at America or just globally, we just look at America, it's becoming more brown. And we cannot use this mainstream approach to invite people into the research process. And we continue to keep doing that. And I don't think it's relevant. I think the questions need to be relevant to the audience in terms of, of helping them feel comfortable enough to participate and then comfortable enough to tell their stories. That's not happening. It's not happening. And the people behind the scenes that are analyzing, I read something, a report years ago, not that long ago, where the stereotypes about black people, because this is what, in the minds of this analyst, he believed what he saw and heard in the media. So those, a lot of those things were his conclusions. And it was something about, it was a study about black women or mothers. And he talked about black women being welfare queens. But anyway, he devalued the, the black mother. And it was like, I thought that was terrible because all black moms are not bad moms. Um, and, all, and all black moms are not on welfare. So, but he painted that picture because that was his perception. 
and not understanding the background of who we are, where we can. And that's what, one of the things I talk about, the why. You know, we have a different beginning, a different history, different lens, different beginning, different treatment. As a result of the treatment, we have different beliefs and behavior. So why then are we not creating instruments and teams to reflect who our audience is and what they believe and how they behave? And that's not happening. And I think that's crazy. Not only with black people, just with Latinos, with Asians, with Polish people. I mean, why are we not doing that? Because we still have a very, very non-black, non, very, very white research industry. It's very, very white. After we had concluded the initial set of interviews, I had the opportunity to interview Aaron Bruchel, a successful entrepreneur, investor, and full-blooded American Indian. During our talk, he outlined how prejudice is integrated into our foundational economic fabric. The thing that I've learned over time is that there's a thing that's hard to separate in investment models, and that is risk and racism, risk and discrimination, risk and prejudice, the sense of you know, are we going to take a are we going to take a risk on Derricus Relford, who didn't go to, you know, a Stanford, Harvard, Princeton? He he doesn't have an MBA from Haas, GSB. Aaron went on to talk about how brands are instinctively targeting affluent consumers, and that means white. But the good news is that fear of making a mistake is a good motivator for brands to continue to invest in experts that represent their target market. I think that, you know, it has become you know, more important because when, for one thing, you know, we all know that the um, demographic of the, the U.S. You know, have become um, more diverse and marketing needs to reflect that, right? So in order to, for your campaigns to to reflect that you know diversity in the changing demographics you know to in order for your communication to be more authentic i think you you know your team needs to reflect that diversity as well so how do we specifically deal with diversity when doing market research i believe that it starts upstream in a government white paper on the issue of homelessness there's a story about a village that is placed by a river. One day, a woman was by the river and noticed that a basket with a baby was floating down. Horrified, she saved the child and proceeded to raise it as her own. A few days later, another baby was found in a basket, also floating in the same river. And similar to the instance before, provisions and caretaking were provided. The frequency of sightings increased to the point that the village was running a 24 by seven watch they had a handling station. They were training young families on how to raise these children. Finally, it was so out of control that the village leaders formed a party to go upriver and discover the source of the abandoned children. I believe this allegory for us at this point in time means that we need to help support the educational institutions that are in our communities because our communities are diverse. There is just a knowledge gap of what market research is and the career opportunities that exist. Of the 350 interviews that I've done, only a handful 
actually started their education with the intention of being a researcher. It is time for this to change. But where do we start? We at the Happy Market Research Podcast have joined thousands of others to do the 21-day Racial Equity Habit Building Challenge. Change is hard. Any change to our lives, like diet, exercise, job, or even meditation, takes time and attention. This 21-day challenge is all about empowering you to be a more effective player in the quest for equity and justice. So what is it? Well, for 21 days, you do one action to further your understanding of power, privilege, supremacy, oppression, and equity. The plan includes suggestions for reading, podcasts, videos, observations, and ways to form deeper connections with your community. I hope that you'll join us for this challenge. It is only by intentionally partnering with one another that we can realize the change that this industry that we love so much so desperately needs. In the next episode, we're releasing the long-form interview with Orion Brown, founder of the Black Travel Box and brand management consultants. What I would say is typically what we'll hear is, well, our team understands and we, you know, are very sensitive to these types of differences. However, and then I feel like the, the dot, dot, dot is, well, we just don't have enough people of color. Well, we just don't have we don't have them on hand, but our staff is really good. Um, and so I think, you know, it, when you mentioned talking about having both a moderator and even the videographer, you know, being a person of color in particular, I'm like, I'm trying to think back. I don't think I've ever necessarily seen that done consciously um, in my career. Happy Market Research is hosted and produced by me, Chu Yi Yang, and Jamin Brazil. Special thanks to our reference guests, Aaron Bruchel, CEO of MeThinks, Iris Yim, Principal and Chief Strategist at Sparkle Insights, Maya Kantak, Consumer Insights Manager at Disney Parks Experiences and Products, Mario Carrasco, Co-Founder of ThinkNow, Orion Brown, Founder of the Black Travel Box and Brand Management Consultant, and Pepper Miller, President of the Hunter Miller Group. And a special shout out to my friend Julie Curd with CMB for putting me on the 21 Day Challenge. To subscribe to this podcast, go to iTunes or check out the Happy Market Research website at happymr.com. You can always follow us on Twitter at happymrxp. Thank you for listening, and we hope to see you next week.